Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome everybody to this week's podcast episode for the Financial Freedom for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Christopher Liu. And as you know, we talk about four pillars of freedom, financial, time, location, and health freedom. And in that regard, I started this podcast to reach out and spread the message of hope and freedom and opportunity. And I'm always trying to connect investors with the audience, entrepreneurs, business owners. So today we have Michael Episcope, and he is the CEO of and co-founder of Origin Investments and with over 5,000 units and completed 2 billion in deals. So he's the real deal and um, he's going to talk all about his bio background um, and we'll go from there. So Michael, welcome. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate being here. Yeah, I know we were backstage, you know, we were discussing the uh, mess of the healthcare and then, but you had actually an interesting career. Um, you know, you had a, you were training and you know, you're actually in the financial, you're in the nitty gritty. So tell us about your story and how you got started and we'll go from there. Yeah, it's funny. Everybody thinks the other person has a more interesting career <laughs> than uh, than they do. Um, but thank you for that. Yeah, so I actually, I mean, training was interesting. I'm uh, born and raised in the Chicago area here. And we have always been sort of the, the capital of commodity trading. And so when I went to um, college here, I went to DePaul University and between my freshman and sophomore year, I got a, a job at the Chicago Mercantile Exchange and decided I absolutely loved it. And it's kind of funny, that was marked really the start of my first career. And I have a 20 year old now and he's a sophomore in college and I can't think of, you know, I was already two years into my um, career unknowingly at that time. And uh, and it was great. And, and I really loved it down there and I stayed down there and I was a student of the markets and, um, you know, worked my way around, didn't really know what I wanted to do. So I was a clerk, I was a runner, I started, working my way into the pit. I was a broker and ultimately in about 1997, January 1st of 97, I stepped into the pits. I was backed by a hedge fund um, at that time and I was really good at it. So I, I my learning curve was quick. It was kind of funny. I remember in the first month I lost $7,000 and I had a huge pit in my stomach and I was almost, you know, going to get sick and I wanted to write them a check back. And, um, but it, but it took off from there. I learned how to make money and, and do things um, right down there. And, and that became a really good um, point in my life that lasted about 10 years in the trading pit. Those are kind of like dog years, if you will. Um, every year represents about seven years of life. And in the beginning, people always ask me, why did I leave? Well, in the beginning, I was single. Um, I had just met my wife in 1997. Uh, we got married in 99. So when you're, you know, kind of uh, in the beginning of your career, when you're taking risk and there's nobody really to look at, if you lose everything but yourself, it's very different. And so I had uh, done well in that career, but what, by the time, you know, sort of nine, 10 years came around, I was married, I had two kids, I had one more on the way, I had stacked up more chips than I ever set out to. And I said, you know what, it's time to sort of go in a different direction here and look at how do I protect what I have, preserve what I have, grow what I have. And at that time too, computers were coming into the market. So the edge that we had was slowly 
disappearing. So I left that uh, that business in the end of kind of 2005, was still trading off the floor in 06. I enrolled, I got a master's in real estate. I knew I wanted to be in real estate. I had been exposed to it as, um, you know, kind of younger, my grandfather was in it and he, uh, he just enjoyed the benefits of multifamily, passive income. And and I always saw it because I was like, does Grandpa even work? What does he do? You know, so, um, and, and that's really what you're looking for. So how do you turn your assets into income? How do you, you know, generate passive income? And at the time, I didn't really know where I wanted to go or what I wanted to do. I was investing passively and my partner and I got together and we had invested a lot um, together, different things I invested alone. And it was always like, it was two steps forward, one step back. And candidly, it was sometimes three steps back and getting punched in the face. And you're kind of like, man, there's gotta be a better way. And we just said, you know, a few words that made a big difference. Look, we can do this better. And, and that was it. And that was sort of the start of origin was the idea that we can build a better investment firm around our own capital for people like us. So in 2007 to eight, nine, it was only our own capital. Then we started bringing in outside capital um, during that standpoint um, and just really showing people what we could do and then also hiring and building infrastructure. And I know this is long, maybe longer than you want. So I'll take you through sort of the arc of origin. So I call Origin 1.0, so sort of from that 2007-8 period all the way through 2015. And it was only um, in 2015, we said, look, we have a great product. We were already tracking top decile. We were, um, you know, our our investment partners really loved us. And when you have a great product and you put it in front of a lot of people, they're going to buy it. We engaged on a digital marketing campaign, brought in marketing, um, you know, resources in. We'd never done that before. And we went from 85 investors to 500 in the next two years. And then fast forward, I'll take you through. So today we have 32, maybe 3,300 investment partners. We have 1.3 billion in equity under management, and we have about 10,000 units in some stage some are are built some are in development some are in pre-development um so it's been it's been a great run and i think what i'm most proud of is we have 50 team members today they are just incredible people to come in to work every day with and they inspire me and push me harder as well keeps me young and then the fact that we've generated um returns and we're considered a top decile manager meaning we've beat 90 percent of other managers and that to me like not coming from the industry really has vindicated, you know, what we've tried to do. Because I remember 10 years ago, before we just made that concerted effort to go all in on the individual, the high net worth, the ultra high net worth family office, we were actually talking to institutions. We didn't have that pedigree. And, and it's sort of like, you know, you get that little chip on your shoulder and we're like, okay, you're lost, you know? And, and so we've um, never looked back since that day one, but it's been a great run. Yeah, it's uh, it's so interesting because, um, it's uh you know you started with trading and now um you know you went into something you know more stable and consistent which is real estate and you know for physicians you know real estate is the ultimate there's so many doctors interested especially on the passive side because their time is extremely limited so they're always looking ways to you know save taxes and really leverage their wealth grow their wealth so um you know which your firm does so um We'll just start from the beginning, you know, um, with uh, Origin, uh, the perfect wealth protection asset, how real estate benefits from both inflationary and deflationary cycles, which is very relevant for our times today. Yeah, it is 
interesting. I mean, real estate did incredibly well during the period where we had low inflation, lower interest rates. I mean, really what you had are multiples expanding across every asset class. So real estate, if you go back, you know, 15 years ago, your cap rates um, were sevens and eights. And, you know, today they're, they're more around 4%. So you really had the multiple almost double, right? Which is multiple. When I say cap rates, it's the inverse of sort of the PE ratio. And now you've got um, the expansion of cap rates as well. So, you, you know, I would say six months ago, a year ago, cap rates were three and a quarter, three and a half. Today, they're four, four and a quarter. We're using those in our models. And it really is. I, I would say that, um, you know, this is what I, I people need to be cautious of, though, right? We are in inflation. If you're positioned ahead of that inflation, then you did really, really well. Now is not the time to be running in um, to real estate and saying, hey, I want to beat inflation, right? That ship is already sailed. And if you're positioned, that's great. Because when you think about a piece of real estate, it is an amalgamation of commodities. It has lumber and it has steel and it has glass and it has everything that we've been looking at that has been causing inflation. And the biggest thing are housing prices and rental price increases. So it, it is a protector in that case and it's held up very well in this environment i just like looking at asset prices and the flat fact that inflation has sort of leveled off and slowed down everything that we're looking at when we're we're running our predictive models next year the year after is that we're going to give back some of these gains i don't think that's a surprise to anybody looks like a recession is on the horizon um 2023 most likely the stock market is certainly um predicting that it has really been um, a great hedge, though, against inflation. And what I love about just real estate, and we're particular, we're only multifamily, so we build, buy, and lend. Uh, and we really, you know, depending on the market cycle, so there's times that you want to be lending, there's times that you want to be buying existing properties, and there's times that you want to be building. And that depends on different parts of the cycle. But it offers the passive income, it offers the depreciation, it offers the creation as well. And this is something that people don't understand, but over the last kind of whatever you pick, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years, real estate has actually outperformed the S&P 500 over that time period. Um, now, you can look at individual assets and there's always exceptions to the rule. If you were in retail or if you're in office and things like that, but when you look at the core bucket and then you take things out, the industrial, the multifamily, those have done exceptionally well and it's really been especially for the ultra high net worth family offices multi-billionaires it's been the asset class of choice and those are the ones who have traditionally over allocated i will say this and i'll go back to a point i made earlier you can't just say i want to get into real estate and go into any fund because it's about how you enter the market the basis you're in the fees that people take out because going back to our decision like we would be with really good managers but when they take 50 percent of the fees you're like yeah, that deal really did great, but I didn't make any money. And then when you're with the subpar manager, the market goes up 40% and you're making 20. And you're like, why did that happen, right? So it, it really is, there's an art to it, but finding the right manager is super important. Making sure people are aligned with you, that you're investing in the right asset class, that they're buying and putting your money in at the right basis as well. So a lot for you to digest, but I could go on this topic for another hour. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've, when I was growing up, I always, you know, wanted to, I studied a lot of, you know, wealthy individuals and it seemed like, you know, they either made their money through real estate, they had uh, well paying jobs and careers, and then they poured it into real estate or, you know, through the equity. So those kind of two. And then um, uh, the other thing was um, 
what's what market trends are you currently watching and how to utilize market trends to get returns well when you say market trends i mean so we do a lot of webinars uh at, at origin i mean we're probably doing three a month right now for our various funds some are thought leadership some are about our product uh and we get themes of questions and the biggest thing on people's minds today is what's going on with interest rates what's happening with inflation um, and interest rates are a big uh, issue right now and so it doesn't um, where it impacts directly our financing costs and the ability to refinance property so your proceeds are coming in a lot lower uh, we just finished a deal in Houston in your backyard fourth of navigation so right down the street from you probably go check that out and this was actually a deal we started pre-COVID. So the pricing couldn't be better. The value is there. But now that we're talking to banks, the, the proceeds just aren't coming in to the level, anywhere near the level we thought they were because of banks are now, um, they're pulling back. Instead of going to 65%, they're going to 55%. They have higher debt service coverage ratios, more covenants. And so that's some of the big things um, that we're seeing in the market, what inter interest rates are impacting. What people may not understand is interest rates also impact the for sale side. And the for sale side right now, I was at lunch with our marketing team today and one of the individuals was buying, um, in the process of buying a home, he got uh, pre-approved for a mortgage. His mortgage rate is 675 today. And, and that is keeping so many people in apartments so, and, and away from buying because homes have gotten more expensive to build and certainly the mortgage rates. So now you have this trapped renter phenomena that's almost in some ways offsetting what's happening with the, uh, with the higher interest rates and the financing costs on that side. So um, there's headwinds, there's tailwinds to, uh, to the interest rate side. And I think when you're also talking about the trends, so where we operate is strictly in the Sunbelt markets. So we're in the Southeast, which I consider sort of Raleigh, Charlotte, Atlanta, um, the Florida markets down there. We're making heavy bets into Jacksonville. And the biggest thing in multifamily real estate revolves around affordability. You have to make sure that when you build it, you can find renters who can afford to pay your rent. And we're still finding um, just great affordability around the Jacksonville markets. Tampa has become less affordable, Orlando less affordable as well. It's interesting, Atlanta just became um, Chicago, where I'm at right now, we don't invest here, but it became more affordable than Atlanta. And, and that equation has slipped over even the last kind of six months to a year because of the price increases in um, Atlanta real estate. We're in Texas markets, Nashville, and then um, Phoenix and Denver. So we, we have a global view around the market. And, and if you notice, most of our markets are all the Sunbelt states, the lifestyle, and the biggest thing is low tax because the work from home environment, you have CEOs who are now able to go remote. They don't wanna live in places like New Jersey and New York. They're moving down to Miami, zero tax state. They're moving their headquarters down there. We've seen a lot. They're moving to Texas, they're moving to Tennessee. And, and it's really changed the dynamics. So I think what we've seen in the last kind of year or year and a half is that first wave of people who had the flexibility and the ability to move. And now we're going to see that trickle effect. So um, this is a conversation now. I'm 52 years old. I have a son who's a sophomore. We're going to be staring at the empty nester life in a few years. The whole conversations are about where are you going after your empty nester? Are you staying in Chicago? And people have plans to move to these, you know, lifestyle cities. Yes, they're more expensive, but it's still, you know, there's only so much runway left in life. Where do you want to spend those days? 
and, and a lot of in sunshine, in the mountains, in low tax states. And there's been a, a, a trade. This was interesting. I was talking to a broker from Wyoming and he said that people are coming, these wealthy CEOs are coming from California. They're buying $15 million homes and they feel like they bought them for free because they're not paying the state of California that 13% tax anymore. They're like, I don't care what it costs. It's free as far as I'm concerned, right? Like I, I'm finally writing, you know, whatever, you know, the $500,000 check a year, but I actually can enjoy something. So a lot of that's happening. Um, Chris, you can cut me off anytime. So. No, it's great to, uh, you know, you, uh, you have a lot of knowledge and experience and I just, you know, want the audience to soak it up and, um, the other thing is, in particular, in terms of taxes. So, you know, Texas, you know, biggest, you know, consideration for high net worth individuals, high income professionals. So, um, and this idea of, you know, they people talk about 1031 exchange, just roll over the profits, you know, tax defer it, uh, versus um, the QOZ investing. What describe that and tell how to investors can maximize their tax advantages yeah and I'll, I'll, so the 1031 exchange is a very it's a great vehicle and it's really unique and i would say that if you have the means and you have the expertise and, and you um, can find somebody really good to help you with the 1031 exchange it's probably the best product out there now you will be concentrated so it's a little bit different i want to caveat that but you should never let the tail wag the dog and i've seen you know, for example, my mother, unfortunately, um, my grandfather left her Walgreens and she and my uncle decided to sell the Walgreens. And, and she's like, I got to save taxes. I got I'm like, mom, just just pay the taxes. They were 15 percent at the time. Well, she rushed in, did a 1031, ended up paying a broker a large fee, right, that she didn't know was in there because these things are very fee heavy. And ultimately, that deal did not do well for her. It was absolutely the wrong decision versus just selling it. Now that is hindsight, but the reason I say that is because the 1031 exchange market has huge um, fees in that market. And a lot of times you're saving on your taxes, but guess what? You're, you're almost offsetting it on the fees you pay or the upcharge that you're paying on this property because it doesn't, if, if it's a $50 million property that you're paying $60 million for, guess what? You've just lost all that tax savings in it. So, um, QOZ is, is different in the sense that the Qualified Opportunity Zone law was passed in 2017, part of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. If you have a capital gain, it doesn't have to be real estate, it can be anything out there. It can be a piece of art, it can be stocks, it can be a PE fund, it can be long-term, it can be short-term um, capital gain. And you can invest those uh, proceeds into a Qualified Opportunity Zone fund within 180 days of realizing that gain. I could spend another five minutes on those rules, 180 days. There's all different dates, depending if it's in your personal name or in a partnership. But the point is that if you have, let's say you made a million dollar investment and you make a half million dollars on that investment and you realize that gain, you do not have to invest the principal, which is a huge benefit. You only have to invest that gain to get the qualified opportunity zone benefits. And the benefits are this. Number one, you get a deferral of those taxes. You do not have to pay those taxes. So if, for example, you had, um, you're doing your taxes, it's October right now, all the taxes are due. If you decided, hey, I want to um, invest a, a 2023 gain into a qualified opportunity zone, you wouldn't pay those taxes until 2027. It would be recognizable in tax year 2026, 
you would pay them in 2027, it's like a free loan from the government. Now, the risk is that tax rates go up and you're subject to whatever that prevailing tax rate is at that time. That's not even the best benefit of the program. The best benefit is this, that is, if you are in that program for 10 years and one day, you pay zero taxes on the gain. So that $500,000 grows to a million, two million, three million dollars, and you get out, you are you pay zero taxes, and you get the benefit of depreciation. You get the benefit of cash flow. Um, you get the benefit all the tax benefits of real estate during that holdest period. So you might even get you know passive income losses against um, gains that you can offset against those. So it really is a fantastic program. I'm putting personally a lot of money um, into this to shield my taxes, which is just a great way to do it. So it's one of those things that you find very few, but it had bipartisan support in Congress by both the Republicans and the Democrats, and it's here to stay. And then there's actually some law or, or some you know pending legislation where they're going to extend this and bring back a third benefit, which is a step up in basis. And that could happen um, by the end of this year, early next year. And what that means is that if you have a $500,000 gain, when you go to recognize that, you would only recognize 85% of that gain in the future. So that's the step up. And that's been something that um, that went away this last year, but it could be coming back. Yeah, no, uh, this has uh, been really you know, fascinating because there's so many ways of um, you know uh, saving taxes and you know that's the benefit of having guests such as yourself on podcasts and you know sharing the knowledge um i know a lot of the audience out there is this listening is really interested in you know origin investments and you know how how can they contact you visit your website and, and um you know work with you yeah chris let me touch on one thing because you said saving on taxes and it's really important um we only deal with high net worth individuals and one thing that we've done with our model is changed it from buy, fix, sell to buy, fix and hold because we just believe that real wealth is made by building, owning, buying, you know, quality assets forever and taking advantage. And I think that private equity, when it's used in real estate, that buy, fix, sell, if you're not in real estate for the long run, taking advantage of the depreciation benefits, there's other assets that you can probably get into that are better. But real estate is something that you should be thinking about holding for five, 10, 20, 30 years and really taking advantage of those. So I just wanted to get that in there because it's been a huge mind shift at our organization where we've gone to, you know, kind of open-ended perpetual funds, really thinking about how to build long-term wealth for our investors. And if anybody wants to contact us, your question, origininvestments.com. We make it super easy for people to interact with us. You can go to our website. You can download any of our decks. You can learn about us. You can connect, connect with somebody in our business development department right there, schedule a call, and they will be happy to answer any of your questions. Yeah. And for the audience listening, um, all of Michael's resources will be in the links and show notes. Be sure to check them out. And uh, we hope to hear about your future success. Thank you, Chris.